How many of you like to garden? A few of you? Yeah, about half of us maybe. Uh, I do too sometimes. I wouldn't say it's my favorite thing in the world, but there are certainly some days that I enjoy gardening. It, uh, I've noticed gardening is easier if you have good tools. Uh, just recently bought a new tool. I'm very excited when I get a chance to break it out, and that's always fun. Uh, sometime back, we, um, we took some what I call purple sage, and we transplanted it to another part of the garden. Now, I've already said I'm not the world's best gardener, but to this day, when we look at that spot, can you guess what might grow there where we transplanted that purple sage? Yeah, that's right. If you thought something else, you thought I was a terrible gardener. I'm not, I'm not terrible. I'm not very good. I'm not terrible. Yeah, it's purple sage that grows right there. And then I notice we have we have quite a few trees in our yard. They're not very big, but occasionally they'll drop seeds and whatnot. And and I notice an amazing phenomenon. But there are certain seeds, when they fall to the ground, they find their way into the soil and they germinate. And guess what grows out of that seed? Yeah. The, the tree from which it fell. It grows uh, just the same thing. Um, usually in life, what is planted in your garden certainly is usually what grows. Uh, there may be some upkeep and tending that needs to happen with it, but it's true in our, our general lives as well. And the Bible emphasizes this in several places, but what we plant in our lives in the world tends to grow as God would lead it. If you go about your life focused only on yourself and what you think your needs are and to satisfy uh, yourself to feel good, what you'll find at the end of your life is even though you reached for a lot, that you actually are holding on to very little, if anything, at all. The inverse is true as well. What we plan is typically what ends up growing. The inverse is true too. If you don't plant something, it's not going to grow. That's pretty basic, right? If uh, I don't have a regular habit of exercise, I shouldn't be surprised if I'm not in very good shape, right? If uh, I don't spend any time studying for this particular exam, I shouldn't be surprised maybe if I don't get the grade that I had hoped to get. So what we don't plant will never grow. And usually in life, what we discover is what we do give time and attention to is what grows. That's the probability the Bible gives us as well. As God is in it, certainly it grows. The Apostle Paul would say in Corinthians that I planted the seed, someone else named Apollos, he came along and watered, but God caused the growth. In Galatians chapter 6, I want to invite you to open your Bibles there. What we will learn today as we continue on uh, into our new year of 2019 is that there is a, a tremendous spiritual law of sowing and reaping. That what we plant in our life, what we give our time and attention and and give intention to, is what becomes the sum of our lives. In Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 7, I'm going to read from the message translation because I think it captures these few verses the way this has been transcribed in in a way that really captures the the thrust of the whole two chapters of Galatians chapter 5. In chapter 6, here's what the Bible says. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God 
Letting God's Spirit do the growth work in him harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So, let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Father, we pray this morning, in these moments together, that your Holy Spirit would be evident among us, that our ears would be opened, that our hearts would be softened, and that we would be quick and ready to respond as you would guide and teach Please now, in Jesus' name, we pray it together. Amen. Amen. There are things that TBC has been planting sometimes for years, and certainly this past year, that I am very enthusiastic about the year ahead in our church. I feel like there is a lot that we may see flower before us that has been the work of our planting, the work of God's Spirit guiding And I'm very enthusiastic. 2018 was a bit of a bumpy ride in some ways. (laughs) And I'm happy for it because God teaches and grows us through it. But I really believe great things are ahead for us. And we're going to see evidences of God working among us in tremendous ways. And four aspects I want to just walk through with us together. I, I describe them as the core four basic things of a church's life basic areas of a church's life, the core of what a church is intended to be. And you'll notice some overlap in these. They, they aren't just distinct things that we focus on uh, that have no import or impact on other areas of church, the church's life, but four things that come together to create who we are in the Lord. And four areas I want to encourage you to be thinking about, perhaps examining in your own life about how these Areas of life are going to be areas where you really plant deeply into. In fact, before the verses that we read, we're encouraged to be people who test ourselves against the Lord, not against each other. It's not a comparison game, but it's about knowing and understanding what is it that God has called me to be and become and the practices He's provided to me and how am I doing in these things in these practices and my personal responsibility before the Lord. So you ready? The core four. Here they are. You ready? No? You ready? All right. Number one is worship. (laughs) Surprise. These aren't real complicated or revolutionary. These are standard things, but worship, worship, Jesus said, is to be done in spirit and in truth. Worship is is that practice that we do every week, and, and there's a reason that it's done weekly, because it sets a rhythm in our life. Because when we come together and worship, we are reminded that, that my life and, and the things that I hope for and, and what I think are my deepest needs, those are not the centerpiece of my life. And when I come regularly, week after week, to worship with you, I'm reminded that God is at the center of my life. And my life is to be built around God, not around this particular hurt, this wound, this point of anger. This lack of forgiveness, the wrong this person did to me, this thing I think is my greatest need, that's not what I build my life around. When we build our lives around God, He will take us into healing patterns and He will supply that which we need most in our lives. When we don't participate regularly in worship, 
It is so easy for us to lose sight of the presence of God and his purpose to center our lives around him. Worship together is so important because it forms a collective identity together. We see in worship together regularly how God is working in other people's lives. And I realize that I'm not alone in this journey of faith. I realize that I'm not to be alone in my walk of life. That my struggles and burdens are to be shared with other people. I'm not alone. But if I don't make a regular practice and habit of worship and and choosing to be here with you, then I cannot be part of forming a collective identity of what it means to be the people of God. What it means to be a royal priesthood together for the glory of God. What it means to see how you will help me grow in my faith and for me to discover how I might be even a small part of helping you grow in your faith. But worship, worship. I am so thankful for the new um, uh, instruments that we have to help us in our worship, the new sound system that we put to great use over the Christmas season with our Christmas musical. I love the new visual aids that, that enhance what we're doing in worship. I'm just so grateful for what God has in store for forging us even more fully in our understanding and our identification together as the people of God. That's number one. Number two is spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is both personal, but it's also something we do together as a church body. There are personal practices that God would have each of us engaged in. We often call them disciplines, spiritual habits. That it is imperative upon me and upon you to make decisions in my life, to prioritize my life. To say my spiritual growth is so important that I will take the time this year, the way this year unfolds, and I will take a hold of my calendar. I won't let my calendar run my life, but I will make decisions today so that when harder decisions are needed and and other things are calling for my time, I've already chosen today to say these are the most important priorities of my life, and I will regularly schedule time to read my Bible, I will regularly seek time in prayer so that my conversation and my understanding of what it means to relate personally to Jesus is deepened and broadened. I will take the time to meet with you because I need you to help me grow. We need each other. And that again is that that corporate sense of identity, belonging to the Lord. There There is... this personal aspect. We talked last week about pages, right? The, the pages of the Bible and how important it is for us. Because if we don't plan ourselves in spending priority time in the Scripture, why are we surprised if our biblical knowledge is lacking? I, I loved the movie The Matrix years ago when it came out because I was so fascinated, perhaps more than any other part of that movie. Was, it was a sci-fi movie, and, but I, it was so interesting to me when they would actually, they had something in their, their spinal cord, they could plug themselves into a computer, and this information would be downloaded into them. And a person who had never set foot into a, a, a kung fu arena or dojo, whatever it might be called, in an instant was like a master kung fu artist. And I said, that would be amazing. <laughs> 
And I've often thought that about my spiritual life. God, won't you just download what I need to know so that I don't have to experience these things little by little, the difficulties of life. I want the wisdom without the challenge. I want the depth without having to go through hard things. But that's not how it works. I want to know the Bible, but I don't want to read the Bible. I've got other things to do with my day. But if we're to grow spiritually, we have to make choices. And we have to say, these are the things that are most important. If I'm going to sow to the Spirit in my life, so that God will read out of my life the fruit of the Spirit, that there are actions that I have to take, I have to give attention and priority time to. Reading the Bible, prayer, being together. It's so important. So spiritual growth, it's a personal matter, but there's also realities of a corporate concept of spiritual growth. Because just like an individual can be physically healthy or physically unhealthy, spiritually healthy or spiritually unhealthy, so a group of believers can be spiritually healthy or spiritually unhealthy. And so as we would allow God to work in us individually and we choose to join our lives together, God allows that that corporate identity to be formed and it's formed in health because the presence of Christ is in our midst. He's here with us when we gather. That's why it's important that we don't just pick off anything I think is good, is that we turn to the Scripture and we look, even most importantly, at what is it that Jesus did in His own spiritual life. And we know that He practiced solitude. He knew what it was to get away to pray. He knew the Scripture because the Scripture just oozed out of him because he had obviously spent time there. And he was constantly with the people of God and learning to grow and teaching them to grow as they went. The church becomes a laboratory for each of us where we get to put to practice what it is to love one another. We get to put to practice what it is to receive love from other people. We can talk about love all the time. We can keep it as an intellectual concept. But if I'm not engaged with real people in the midst of real life, then I don't have any opportunities to actually love. We are called to love. That was Jesus' great desire for us, is that we would learn to love each other. Number one is worship. Number two of our core four is spiritual growth. Number three, are you still with me? All right, number three is togetherness. Togetherness. This idea of biblical love, what it is to love one another. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus says, is that you love one another. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, and you are to go and to love each other. Togetherness. Where we learn in this sense of being shaped together in the gospel that Jesus came, He lived and taught, He died for my sin and yours, He rose again victorious to conquer sin. We've sung about it today. And then He invites you to walk in this newness of life. You are a new creation. Behold, the old has gone and what has come? The newness of Christ. This is the life we are called into. And we are called together because we're committed to the gospel together. We are committed individually and together to to live in the gospel, to embody the gospel, to take the gospel to the world around us 
and to invite people into the love of Jesus. And I say to you that I'm committed to the gospel with you. And part of togetherness is where you say that back to me and to each other, is that I'm committed to the gospel. I'm committed to living it. And I'm committed to sharing it with you. And I'm committed to taking it with you into the world that needs the gospel. It's more than just being in the same place at the same time. Marriage therapists would say that a husband and wife, if they come to a place where all they're doing is sharing a roof but nothing else in their life, their marriage is in a really bad place. It's in a place of ill health. And so can a church be if we think all we do is sit under a roof week after week but we share nothing else together. Where's the togetherness? We're called to share life and to interweave our lives to one another. That's why I'm so happy that in March we're going to be having another church-wide small group study. And it is my deep hope that this is a year, in addition to our Sunday morning adult Bible studies, but that our small group ministry will also take root and deepen and broaden in the church, that we will have more opportunities to share life together. And so you're going to be hearing in the weeks to come about our collective study that will begin in March. It will take us through the Lenten season. It's called the Easter What's it called? The Easter Experience, not Project. The Easter Experience, and it'll lead us right up to Easter and a chance again to spend time together around the themes of Easter and hearing and living together and what it means to walk in togetherness. There's also a really important part of our church that if you really want to be together as a church body, in this church, family meetings are really important. They're about once a quarter, four times a year. In old terminology, was that they're business meetings. These are times where we get to hear what is going on in the life of the church. We get uh, the members get to make decisions together about how we're going to to move forward together and, and walk together. These family meetings are really important to have a, a forward sense of togetherness. So the next time you see and hear about a family meeting, I encourage you to make every effort to come and be part of that. Worship, spiritual growth. Togetherness, And finally, mission. Mission. You've already heard from Ray this morning about some of our local mission trying to engage in meeting some of the needs of the homeless around us. And, and there are many in Marin. You have uh, been introduced to the idea of the neighborhood map. And part of my hope for our church this year is that... Uh, we all, by the end of this year, it would be regular for you and me to ask the question, what is my personal greatest mission field? Where is God wanting me to most regularly connect with unbelievers? The neighborhood map is one idea for that. Because for most of us, God has put you in a particular apartment building, a particular neighborhood. He's put people around you that he will intend to work and touch through you that he would never do through me because I'm not you. I don't see the world the way you do. I don't talk to people the way you do. That there are particular people in your life. It could be at work where you spend maybe 40, 50, 60 hours a week. There may be very particular people right where you work that God would want you to begin to pray about. To pray that he would give you the opportunity to live the gospel in front of them. To pray that He would give you the opportunity to share the words of Jesus' love with them over time. This is part of my prayer. And I'm so grateful 
that he's put you in places where I could not be effective, most likely. And aren't you glad that we don't have to do things exactly the same? Aren't you glad? You don't have to do things exactly the way I do it, nor I you. But we all have a part to play in the mission of God. And part of my hope this year is that that would raise, be raised as part of our focus. I love the fact that we've now completed one semester of our WANA program. There's a couple of pictures from what we're doing with WANA to, to train up children and our students in middle and high school. They're taking the Scripture. They're challenged every week to memorize Scripture so that it becomes part of their life and ingrained in them so that it just begins to ooze out of them. You can't help it. And it's allowing us to connect with new families in our area and to draw them into the love of Jesus and to help grow them and their children along. We also have a global sense of mission. You've heard about that. Thank you, Madeline, this morning in our Lottie Moon offering. Uh, we this uh, just finished a trip to North Africa. We've uh, heard some reporting about it, and we continue to pray about our ongoing future there, engagement there. My prayer and my hope for you and for us as a church is that 2019 might be a fruitful year, perhaps like no other before. And it's not about outdoing previous years, but it's about seeing and living in the fullness of Christ watching the fruit of God's Spirit emerge out of us individually, emerge out of us as a community, so that when people think or come, think about this church, or they come and be present here, that they see the love of Christ in us and in the way we love each other. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for this morning. We thank You for the invitation yet again to to be mindful about where we invest our energy and our time. And there's so much in our world that calls us to other things. And we constantly have to make choices about where we will plant our lives. How we will invest ourselves to what we will give ourselves. And so we ask for your wisdom and that you would be the discerning spirit in us so that we can grow, so that we can personally grow in you, so that we can be involved in what you are doing, and our church can be even more effective at being the the carriers of the gospel, embodiers of it, living it together, and sharing it with the world. Help us, guide us in that we pray, Jesus, in your name, and for your sake we Pray together. And all of God's people said, Amen. We have one last song that we're going to sing together. Maybe maybe you're here today and you've never really entered into a personal relationship with Christ and you would like to begin a conversation. I'll be standing here at the front. You're welcome to come and make that known. There's a phone number on the bulletin. You could call the church office this week and we would uh, be delighted to start a conversation with you about that even this week. For those of you who, who know you, you're in the Lord and uh, you're walking in His purposes, may this song be your prayer of response back to faithful living this year of 2019. Uh, hymn number what, Steve? Hymn number 437. Would you stand together?